is Liren Baker, and welcome back to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with Colleen Worthington, the founder of Neater's Bakery and Cafe. More than 25 years ago, Colleen and her husband Gary pursued their passion for artisanal bread baking, training at both the American Institute of Baking and San Francisco Baking Institute. Their first bakery opened in Orem, Utah in 1997, and they have grown to over 50 locations spanning Arizona, Colorado, Idaho, Nevada, Texas, and Utah. Colleen recently released a cookbook, Neater's Bakery and Cafe, a celebration of our best recipes and memories. Welcome to the podcast, Colleen. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. I always start by asking, what's the first thing that you ever cooked and about how old were you? Well, I was five years old. My parents had just purchased a a half acre lot and it was filled with pear trees. And they decided to build a house on it. They built the house in the front, a big, huge yard in the back for us to play in and have a good time in and had a wonderful fireplace at the very end of it. And then they left some of the pear trees. So we decided we would make a hotel called the Pear Tree Hotel. And we invited our neighbors, the neighbors, our friends to come to the Pear Tree Hotel. And so my my sister Linda would greet them at at the patio on the lot at the lobby we called it and she would arrange for them to be in room one two three four five six and then we had a communication set up where we had tin cans and a wire going between it so they could call down to the front desk but when they checked in she would give them a little menu of what you could get uh, for the to be delivered right to your door right <laughs> and so on that on it was a uh, peanut butter and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, a grilled cheese sandwich, a fruit plate, and then you could either have ice cream or chocolate chip cookies if we had baked them that day. Wow. And so when they checked in, she would give them the menu. They would uh, call it back to her exactly what they wanted. She would wave, 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 and I would run out and get it. And then I would come in the house and I would carefully make their uh, peanut butter jelly sandwich. I would dish up the fruit plate. I would bake the whatever we were doing that day and then I would make a fancy drink this was it it was um, orange juice and Sprite with a cherry in it so it was all of this seemed really fancy to to us <laughs> and it was really fun for our neighbors so that it was my first cooking experience was the hotel the pear hotel the pear hotel I love it I would have loved to have visited I wish I was your neighbor <laughs> And I think it's so cool that you guys were already starting in hospitality and service. It's such a young age. (laughs) It's a crazy thing. Oh, well, one day maybe the Pear Hotel will actually exist. I think that's, why not? (laughs) No, I just need a big pear orchard. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, the very first time I visited Salt Lake City many years ago, it was for a conference and I was at the Grand America and I remember my very first meal was at Neater's. Oh, how delightful. I'm yeah. so happy. Did, was it good? did we do well? Yes, you did great. It was so funny because I remember it was January, it was freezing and I walked down and I needed something warm and comforting and 
Yeah. So I think that was just such a funny coincidence that my very first meal of many, because I, you know, have visited Utah so many times since, right. was at Neater's. And what a fun coincidence. <laughs> oh, well, we love that, that store down in downtown at City Creek. It's a fun store to go to. Surely yeah. we get to touch a lot of people that ordinarily wouldn't get to a Neater's. That's so true. So what has it been like seeing your business grow the last 25 years to so many locations? Yeah, it's been kind of crazy and kind of good and um, fun to have so many more customers whose lives we get to be involved with. So we started a course here in Utah, built a lot in Utah, went to um, Colorado and Arizona. And at that time we were franchises. So we had franchisees in those stores that came to training and then went out. Uh, we opened some of our own stores in Idaho and also in Texas. And then there came a point where we said, you know what, this franchisee thing isn't working out so great for us because we do um, European hearthbreads. We do pastries. We do things that are fresh. And some of the franchisees thought, hey, I'll save some money and I'll sell the the day old bread instead of making it fresh every day. And so that just didn't work very well for us because we wanted to give our customers the very best um, wholesome product that we possibly could. And so then we bought all of this, all of those stores back, all of them got a couple. And so, um, wow, it was harder than we thought it was going to be. <laughs> and then COVID came <laughs> right after that. So it's been a pretty great adventure for us. One thing that saved us during COVID time was we have drive-through windows. You visited the only store that we don't have a drive-through window at at City Creek there, but all of our other stores have drive-through windows. So we were just felt really blessed that um, we were able to help people all during COVID. There was never a time that we had to stop helping people because we could help them through the drive-through windows. So um, yeah, it's been an adventure. That's so great. It's funny that you mentioned the drive-through windows. I will say that's what something I noticed in Utah. There are a lot of stores that embrace the drive-through, and I think it's great. So every, you know, it's not just coffee; it's everything. So <laughs> great. Well, at, at the time, it was there weren't any fast casual people in that mm. space that we're in that we're making uh, a drive-through work. And but my husband felt really strongly about it, and as it turned out, wow, was he wise. <laughs> Mm. Well, yeah. Can you tell everyone a little bit more about yourself and Gary? And well, first of all, what what drove you to enroll in baking school? Because this was not your first careers. Actually, in your words, you retired from retirement. So how did this come about? Well, uh, we had a piece of property that we loved and adored after we retired, and we thought, wow, this would make a really good food establishment of some kind. We applied to... Um, chain of bakeries and wanted to be a franchisee and they came back and said oh you're too old and you have way too many kids oh <laughs> so we said okay i think we'll do it ourselves and so we went back to aib in kansas city and studied and then we went my husband went to the san francisco baking institute all of those places we tasted european hearthbreads and we knew that is exactly what we wanted to make something that was so pure flour water salt mm -hmm. how can you beat that and so even our asiago cheese bread is flour water salt and as asiago cheese and so we've had to add uh, honey to some of the recipes our hazelnut 12 grain bread has honey in it 12 different grains and hazelnuts but basically flour water salt and we were just so lucky to find sherm robinson who was so interested in the flour and helped us out with it. It um, 
we didn't know we were going to have 50 stores when we opened the one. Um, I was so worried about it. Gary would go down and bake with my son, James, uh, during the night. And then I'd, at 4 o'clock in the morning, I'd wake up and I couldn't sleep. And so I decided I'd go down and take a toothbrush. And we had a tile floor out front. And I'd scrub the tile while they baked. <sighs> because I was so anxious about it. But people loved it. You know, there were not a lot of places in Utah that were making European breads and had a hearthstone oven. They just weren't doing it. We probably had one other company in Utah at that time that was that was um, making a hearth bread. So you were definitely filling a gap. And I can understand why you were so nervous. I would be so scared, but <laughs> clearly you had nothing to worry about. Well, when you're 50 years old and you've um, mortgaged your house to the hilt so you can open the bakery, <laughs> it becomes pretty worrisome if you're not successful, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, and it's just so hard to open a restaurant or food business in general. Uh -huh. um, so, but to do so, yeah when you're supposed to be retiring and enjoying your time off. <laughs> That's definitely very risky. Well, you know, we did enjoy some time in there, time off, and did a lot of things in the community and did a lot of service. But, you know, there's nothing as good as having employees who are young. And in the food industry, you, you have some older people that serve in management positions, but most of those positions go to college kids that are trying to get through college or high school kids. Mm -hmm. And it is just such a wonderful experience to work with them. We really missed that. We really missed it a lot. We also miss being able to help the community. So uh, a dam breaks, all of our neighbors' property floods. We have thousands of people who come to help clean up their yards and to help clean up their basements and treasure their pictures and hang them out so that they don't lose them. And we can go down to the bakery and we can make a thousand sandwiches and come up and feed the people that are helping. I mean, there's so many ways you can be of service when you have a business that serves food. So we love that part of it. That's so true. It's not just the food. And that's what I love about your your book that you released. It's Neater's Bakery and Cafe, 25 years, a celebration of our recipes and memories. And I love how you intersperse so many wonderful memories of the business with all your recipes. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people say to me, this book's about you. And I say, no, no, no. This book is about all the people who made Neaters. Mm -hmm. And I just happened to write. And I was there and knew their stories and knew what they had contributed. And so I was able to write about them. And so it was, it's, Neaters is a huge effort, both family and the Neaters community. They all become family. Everybody comes, becomes family. Well, I love how you share um, Gary's Nana's pumpkin pie secret tips and all. And at the end you say, well, now that you know all the, all the tips, you're part of the family now. Right. <laughs> you know, and you think those little tips, like putting the um, milk in and stirring it around until every last bit of pumpkin comes out of it, that that's not going to make a huge difference. I promise you, I've eaten Nana's pumpkin pie that she's made so many times. It makes a huge difference if you don't do it or if you do it. And then that part about where it comes up in the middle when it's done and then you take it out right as it's rising, you know the eggs are 
undercooked and it is just so delicious. So uh, it was fun. When Gary was a little boy, Nana used to make the pumpkin pies and she'd put them out on her windowsill to cool. And she'd make the two pumpkin pies and then a little small one. And I'm sure being a grandma now that I know that she purposely made that for Gary. But he'd sneak over. She lived next door. He'd sneak over and take that pumpkin pie and take it out behind the shed and eat it all for himself. So... (laughs) I love that story so much because um, I have a son and his favorite is pumpkin pie. And um, whenever my mother-in-law would come and visit, that's the one thing. She's like, I have to make a pumpkin pie for him. So he will love that story. And I cannot wait to try to make Nana's version. (laughs) Well, you'll enjoy it really a lot. It is good. Um, So speaking of family and the stories of all the people who have been important at Neater's I wanted to touch upon the mother warrior. Can you tell everyone about your Monia Balas? Is it Balasanyan? Balasanyan. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, I, it's such a great part of Nieder's history. It's, she was our very first pastry chef. And we started out just making bread and having drinks at the bakery. And then we added cinnamon rolls and some other things. And we had a little list by the front cash register. And if somebody said, oh, you ought to make this, you ought to make this, we'd write, they'd write it down. And then Gary and I'd go through those lists. But uh, we didn't get to many items until we were at two or three years. Mm. And so uh, it, it was fun to let our community be part of developing those recipes and telling us what they they would like us to serve. So our best selling thing at Neaters is turkey bacon avocado sandwich. What what did you have? You said soup maybe you had? Oh gosh, that was like 2012. So honestly, I don't remember, but I do remember there was soup and there probably was a salad of some kind. Yeah. So soup and salad. And then we started doing pastries and our menu just grew and grew and grew. And our whole important point that we wanted to stay really true to was that we did everything fresh. So at one time we even had 60 fresh fruits and vegetables and um, herbs that we brought into the bakery because there's something so wonderful about fresh, right? No, you can't replace it. (laughs) No, you really can't. You can't make anything that would replace it. So um, we've tried to really stick to that and be true to it as we've grown. Mm. We have to talk about muffin tops because um, you have several recipes that are all about muffin tops. So how did this come to be? Was it did you guys watch Seinfeld? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was about when we were opening the bakery. And we just, I mean, you know, if you get a hamburger bun pan mm-hmm. and you uh, put a liner in it, it makes muffin top. And everybody loves that crispy a- edge that's around the outside of it. So one thing I like about the cookbook is there are a lot of recipes in there, the muffins being one of them, where we share variations on it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times you feel like, oh, I have to try a new recipe. I have to try a new recipe. But I think if you can get so you have a great brownie recipe, a great cinnamon roll recipe, and a great muffin top recipe, a great cake recipe, you make that over and over again, and then you use your imagination, and you can develop recipes from that. And we've shared probably three or four on each of those topics. But um, yeah, muffin tops have really been fun for us. People have enjoyed them. Yeah. And I love that your cookbook is accessible for all bakers. So even though you're coming from a very professional world, you have everything from a master scratch vanilla cake to vanilla cake box mix hacks. Uh (laughs) So I think that's a, a nice thing to offer for all the people who want to cook at home. 
Yeah. I think that everybody has to have a starting place when they cook. And, you know, I still, even today, use a cake mix. I just... Um, I'm confident that it's going to turn out right every single solitary time. I mean, they were engineered Mm. so that they would turn out. No matter what you did to it, it was still going to turn out. So I'd rather play around with the toppings and the frosting and making all of that beautiful than spending time on the cake mix when I know that if I can add a few extra ingredients, it's going to taste really special still. But yeah, we do have all those recipes in there. Yeah. And then I also have to ask you about the family scones with pie filling. Oh, such a good memory for us. Yeah, I mean, it's a holiday tradition for you guys. But what I'm so curious about is that it's a deep fried scone. And I don't think I've ever seen that before. Well, we went to San Francisco when the children were all young and we were on the wharf. And there was a place who had those fried scones on the wharf in San Francisco. And they would take pie filling and they would fill it and put whipped cream on it. And then you just drowned yourself in it. It was so good. So we came home from that trip and we started looking for fried scones and found that recipe. Actually, um, my husband wound up making it from a white bread recipe that had been his family's Mm -hmm. because it tasted just like it. And we would fry it, but so fun to invite neighbors in, have a huge tree in the backyard, probably about a hundred feet tall now, wow. all decorated with lights, singing around that Christmas tree, having the hot scones, because that time of year is pretty cold in Utah, right? Mm-hmm. Coming in for it and uh, enjoying our neighbors and our friends and our family. Really fun memories. Aww. Isn't that what's, I think that's what food's about, don't you? completely agree. And I think that's part of the reason why I work in what I do. And it's, I started out preserving recipes and memories and stories. And for me, I think that that's the most important part about sharing a meal, just being able to share that time with each other and then remember it later. Yeah. Well, I have heard you say that every recipe has a story. (laughs) quoting you. (laughs) And I think that's so true. And it it makes it magical. It makes the food magical. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be as simple as a bowl of soup or something totally extravagant. Um, But yeah, you're right. I I agree. Well, yes, I agree with myself. Uh, Good job. Thank you. So what was it like writing this book? I mean, I'm sure you had so many memories to pull from. How did you decide what to include? Well, we started it actually seven years ago. We were going to do it for our 20th anniversary. I started it with my children. I'd say um, probably the most difficult thing I've ever done Mm -hmm. because I'm not a writer. I've never published a book before. We were really pleased when uh, Deseret Book, uh, Shadow Mountain, came and said, we'll publish it. We want to be involved with it. That has been really, really helpful. But, you know, we have all these huge recipes that have, like, 50 pounds of flour. Right. And now I've got to get that down so it's four cups of flour. (laughs) And then the salt maybe was a pound and a half. And I've got to get it in a teaspoon measurement for people. And so we had to make all those recipes, you know, get them down into the right measurements. And then we had to have people make them. And so we'd send them to the kids and my children would all make them. And then they'd call back with, ah, that was too salty or whatever. It's just, that was the hardest part is getting the 
the recipes to be smaller. And I just am so unhappy with myself because most of the recipes started with a very small recipe that we made larger. <laughs> Why didn't I save those? Right. <laughs> that would be very helpful. <laughs> right, because clearly the ones that ended up at the bakery or in the store started probably in your home kitchen years and years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Or in the neighbor's house or my sister's or someone's house. Yeah. So yeah, the reverse engineering, I forget. That's probably a lot of hard work. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, somehow it doesn't just taste the same. You think you've got it and it, then it's made and it doesn't taste like it does at the bakery. Mm -hmm. So we really handcrafted those recipes so that they could be made in a person's home and they could be successful at it, regardless of what kind of experience they have had. So is, is there a must-bake from your book? Like, let's say we're heading into the holidays. What, what should people be making? Oh, my goodness. The raspberry bread pudding, Ooh. absolutely one of my very favorite recipes made with our white bread. And, of course, you'd rather have it day-old. You're going to make it so that you don't have so much moisture in it so it can soak up all that custard. And then you're going to put it all in a pan. You're putting a raspberry that has been mixed with apple juice layer, and then you're putting more of the bread pudding mixture over the top of it. They're, you're going to bake it. And then always we want to serve it warm at the bakery. Mm. We want to serve it warm for people. And so we'll serve it with a little vanilla sauce. And the vanilla sauce is cold and the bread pudding's hot. We sell a lot of that uh, for Christmas time. It's beautiful because it's red, right? Yeah. It's so smart to put the apple juice with the raspberries. Yeah. Brilliant. And is there a season that stands out for you at, at the store? Well, you know, we are a seasonal bakery because you're not going to come and have uh, pumpkin bread in January or February at the store. We're, we're moving on to lemon poppy seed and other mm -hmm. things, but pumpkin bread just doesn't sell in June. <laughs> so we save it for a special time and that's September 1st that our pumpkin bread started. There is nothing better than walking into Neaters while the pumpkin bread's baking. Oh my <laughs> heavens, it just engulfs your whole body and you just feel so happy inside yeah. and know that falls here when you start selling that, smelling that pumpkin bread. But um, I enjoy this time of year the very best. I think we have the best soups, the best desserts. Going into Christmas, we'll be doing a lot of things with peppermint, peppermint fudge brownies. We'll do a, a peppermint fudge cake. And there are just so many good things with Christmas that we can do. And if you look at the cookbook, you'll see lots of Christmas recipes. But there are also recipes that you could make this time of year, like the fresh root charlotte mm. that you could make for Christmas with all those beautiful colored red berries that you could also do in the 4th of July. But most often we're just doing things seasonally because things seem to taste better in the season that they were made in or the season that they grow in. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I do love that we could just cook through the seasons alongside with you, even though there may not be a neaters like here in California, I don't have a neaters. So I, I can cook along with you guys. And I love that. Um, you and Gary are true partners in every sense of the word. So it's one thing to partner in life, but another to partner in business. What are the major lessons to be successful partners? 
Well, you know, as we work with each other and as with, with the fam- and with the family, people say, I, I don't know family businesses where people get along, where it's a good experience. And I think if you ask every one of my kids, grandkids, I think they would all say, we, we really enjoy the family. And, you, you know, you're going to have some disagreements during the day. But our thought is at the end of every day, it's all about family. It's all about the people we love. And that's the most important thing. Yes. It's a good reminder. You have to remind yourself when you're in the thick of it, right? (laughs) Yeah. My son, James, when he was a teenager, his big trick was to quit before I fired him. (laughs) (laughs) So if he saw me coming and he didn't look like like the look on my face, he would come towards me and say, mom, I quit. <laughs> and it was a joke and we would both laugh and move on, right? <laughs> oh, that's so, that's so funny. Well, what does the next generation of meters look like? Who will be carrying the torch for the next 25 years? Well, you know, my kids have already taken over. Oh, best job. And my job now is to do whatever I want to do. Can, is that the best job ever? <laughs> I like to go and talk to the customers and to the employees. And yeah, that's my job. But my son, James, is the CEO of the company. My son-in-law, David, is the president of the company and in charge of development. Um, My daughter, Amy, is in charge of training all of the specialty fields like the bakers and the pastry people and the retail people in the stores. I have in-law children um, working for us that some have worked in the... Uh, warehouse. I have grandkids who have worked serving tables. And I think those are, those are our future leaders. I, I said to one of them one day, they asked me if I was going to be buried at the bakery because <laughs> <laughs> I spent so much time there. But you know, if I'm there, I get to see them. I get to see them. So I like to be there. And so I said, no, uh-uh, I'm going to, re- I'm going to retire from this too. And you're going to lead the bakery. And some of them have really taken on that charge. They've gotten in and they're trying to learn absolutely everything they can. And my Amy's husband, Sean, he is in charge of our food supply chain. So they're in key positions, but man, we sure have a lot more people that work for us that aren't family. And we're grateful to them. Yeah. You've got an extended Neaters family. I just, I'm so impressed with what you've created. And I love that you're you're able to inspire your grandkids to to take over one day. That must be such an important feeling for them. I think it's good. And, you know, if they choose to do something else, that's okay too, because they learned how to work hard. They learned how to treat other people. They learned how to work from a job list and get it done and feel satisfaction at the end of the day. The lessons you can learn in the food business are valuable anywhere you go. That's so true. Would you have imagined that you would have created something so huge when you started? No, when I was down scrubbing with my toothbrush, I was just hoping we live for another day. (laughs) Wow. Well, I'm so impressed. Um, And I cannot wait to bake. And this is so beautiful. And the next time I'm in Salt Lake, I will definitely stop back at Neater's. Well, please let me know when you're here, because I'd love to meet you at City Creek and treat you. Oh, that would be so nice. That would be such a nice treat to see you in person. 
Well, Colleen, I have a few closing questions before I let you go. Okay. What's something that you make when you're too tired to cook and you need an emergency go-to dinner? Oh, I go down to the bakery. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I live five minutes away. <laughs> I get a turkey bacon avocado salad. And if I'm really feeling like I want to splurge on calories, I'll get some mac and cheese and I'll have them put chicken on it and barbecue sauce. Mm. And then I'll get a loaf of pumpkin bread and... Uh, come home. (laughs) That's what I do. I can't lie. I can't lie. That's where my, there, that's my go-to place when I'm exhausted. Oh, that's so fun. I love that. What's the one recipe that you treasure the most? Oh, it's so hard. There are so many of them that I do treasure. I really like a lot of the soup recipes, Mm. um, made from scratch soup. Amazing. Artichoke portobello soup. It's a vegetarian choice, and I love the savoriness of it. I I love how it warms my heart and my soul. The Irish stew, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we used to just serve it at at uh, St. Patrick's Day time, mm-hmm. but now we start it probably in January, and we serve it for three months. It is so good, and all those great vegetables. I just. I just love those. I love some of the salads really well too. Well, I like all of them, but some of them I really enjoy. The citrus salad, when we used to go out and train, we'd stay for two weeks and everybody had come back and want the citrus salad. They were so tired of eating hamburgers <laughs> because we weren't open yet, right? We're training people. and we, But we'd come back and make a citrus salad. Everything in it is sweet and savory and salty. And the more of those tastes you can hit, the more you crave a recipe. Mm. Are you a messy cook or a neat cook? Oh, I'm so messy. (laughs) So (laughs) my granddaughter, her name is Kimball, and sometimes she'll come up and bake with me. And uh, she and I are both little messy cooks. (laughs) That's for sure. And then I go in and say to my husband, honey, I'm so tired from cooking. Won't you please do the dishes? Won't you clean up the kitchen? And he'll come and do it. But you know, I'm trying really hard to make it when I touch something, I just touch it once. So when I crack the eggshells, I am immediately throwing them in the trash. But I'm 76 years old and I'm just barely trying to do this. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny that you mentioned the one touch uh, mentality because I've been trying to implement that the last couple of weeks. Just this morning I had, uh, what did I have in my hands? It was just some ingredient. Oh, I was making pancakes. So I had an ingredient in my hand and I'm like, I'm touching it once. I got to put it where it goes. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It would be so great if we could do it all the time. But I have so much fun stirring and cooking and tasting and smelling that I get lost. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same way. What's a good kitchen tip that you can share? Oh, I think a good kitchen tip is to be sure and taste what you're making. So, I've watched the worst chefs of America, and the one thing that they tell them to do is be sure you're tasting it. So, taste it and make sure you've got enough salt in it, enough pepper in it. Taste it and make sure the lemon juice, you know, because all these fresh things we use, it depends on the rain, the weather, where they grew, how strong they are, or how weak they are. And if you can taste it and then add more of the raspberries or add more of the apples or whatever to make it taste like you want it to, I think that's really important. That's so true. Keep a little set of spoons there and just give it a taste and add what you think. Yes. So, so smart. Every week I try to share five little things with my audience, something that made me smile. Is there anything that made you smile this week? 
Oh my heavens, yes. I look out, I've got mountains on one side, the lake on the other side. Life makes me smile. And, you know, just the happy people that I am able to help and make their day better too. I had a little lady who came in and she had just had a um, cancer treatment. And I saw her at the end of the line. And I went and said to her, oh, are you okay? Because she didn't look like she felt well at all. And I was afraid maybe she was going to fall. I said, come and sit down right here. And she said, well, I promised myself today that if I stayed through this last chemo treatment that I would treat myself by coming to Neater's for chicken noodle soup. And I said, oh, you just sit right here and I'll get you chicken noodle soup. And so she sat there and I brought the chicken noodle soup out and I said, I brought a cookie for you too, just in case you get feeling well enough that you want it. And I thanked her for coming and she thanked me and gave me a big hug. And then about 10 minutes later, I had one of my employees come and hand me one of our napkins And it was written on, and it said, thank you so much for making my day today better. And she had signed her name. And I thought, oh, what a great life this is, that I get to make people's days better. And, you know, I'm teary about it now, but that always puts a smile on my face, that I I have that opportunity to reach out and help other people. Oh, what a blessing. You're bringing tears to my eyes. Oh, (laughs) and goosebumps. Well, I can't think of a better note to end on. I'm so glad that you're able to bring joy in all the little things that you do. And thank you for sharing that story and and all your stories with us, Colleen. Where can everyone find you? Well, I'm at neaters.com, Colleen at neaters.com. So I'd, I'd love to chat with anyone and anybody who is coming to Utah or any of those states that we have stories in. If you just go and say, Colleen said to tell me that she sent me sent me here. So to whoever's at the counter, they'll get real special treatment that day, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. And yes, and everybody, please check out Neater's Bakery and Cafe, the the book. And where can everyone find that? When does it release? It releases October 3rd. And you can get it on Amazon, at Deseret Book, um, Barnes & Noble, all the places you can possibly think of. And then we also have it on our Neater's.com where you can buy it. Oh, perfect. Colleen, thank you so much for spending your Friday with me. I really, really appreciate it. You are just the cutest. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. You know, when I started this podcast several years ago, I did not anticipate how much meeting my guests would touch me. But truly, interviews with people like Colleen are why I do what I do. I just love that I can learn about their why in the world. And I love how what many people see as a bakery and cafe can be a way for Colleen and her family to serve her community. Thank you again to Colleen for joining me today and to you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking. Happy cooking.